This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors. And he was lovely. Hey. Hi there. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? What do you Doing mean? good. Um, I'm a Into the room has walked Amado Galoy, who's here to ask for $2 million for his company, Rex Animal Health, which is built on a simple theory about the health of livestock. If things were more data-driven, then veterinary care could be better. These days, you can't hear about any startup without someone mentioning data. But when I think of rolling pastures and dairy cows... It doesn't exactly scream tech startup to me. So I'm curious to see if Amato can make a case for why the humble farm is the next frontier for big data. Here's who he needs to convince. Daniel Galati is here with Comcast Ventures, along with Jillian Manis with Structure Capital, Phil Nadell of Forefront Venture Partners, and Charles Hudson with Precursor Ventures. Now... It's all up to Amato to prove Rex is the next big thing in big data. I'm Amato Galoy. I'm the CEO and founder of Rex Animal Health. I'm sorry, what was your first name? Amato. 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 Yes, sir. Amato. Yes, ma'am. Well, nice to meet you. Tell us about Rex. Yeah, so um, uh, one of the things that we're doing at Rex is really we're trying to answer fundamental questions about food sustainability, biosecurity, and food safety, um, especially when it comes to the protein supply chain. All right. Here's the thing you need to understand about Amato. He's not your typical entrepreneur. He doesn't have a million business ideas and a passion for startup culture. He's a scientist, specifically a chemist and a physicist, who stumbled onto an idea that turned into a business. And it shows in his pitch. But we do our own primary fundamental research in our labs so that we can find uh, genes that correlate with disease resistance. Um, And I'm proud to say we've actually found some genes after completing a a few genomes um, in the white-tailed deer and and looking at the cow. And so we're in the midst of publishing that um, in a peer-reviewed scientific journal. Um, All right. So here's what Amato is not explaining, at least not in a way anyone is quite understanding. Rex is a tech company that is focused on improving the health of livestock, cows, pigs, chickens, etc., by relying on big data. We're not a company that says we're here to replace your veterinarians. We're here simply to supplement them. So let's say a cow gets sick. The farmer calls the vet, the vet treats it, everyone goes on with their lives. But sometimes that cow gets sick a second time, or a third time, or its offspring gets sick, or the drugs that treat it don't work. No one is really tracking this. So Amato wants farmers to enter this health information into a database. The idea being that this will help these farms detect health and genetic trends in their livestock. But he's not really explaining all that. He's talking like, well, a scientist. 
let's say you have a sick animal, it had, you know, some respiratory, it was coughing. Yeah. That's usually going to be scaled anywhere from one to 10 or one to six. You administer a drug, yeah. you check it, and then that changes the score. But one of the things that we're able to do that human intuition can't is isolate which which drug or which nutraceutical yeah. actually was the yeah. most effective. Our investors are doing their best to follow along, but you can tell they're a little bit lost. Will you explain that, please? So there's no, there are no sick animals on, on day one. What is, the, what is the customer entering into the system? What data are they providing and what output are they getting? So I guess to give a little bit background on, on what happens during a run-through in the barn, basically you have a vet tech or a farmer walk through their barn and there's hundreds, if not thousands of animals. They're checking each and every stall and scoring every single animal on a respiratory score and what's called a scour score, which is basically like a diarrhea score. They input that in on a semi, almost daily basis. And so that that gets to us and we can monitor these scores to see and and they can then look at it to be like is there a trend is is yeah. is the respiratory right, score so raising so the health of the life of okay. the animals so google mo- analytics for life right so they're monitoring <laughs> what you're doing is you're taking these daily scores or almost daily scores that the vet tech is is giving the the herd and then you're standardizing the data you're putting up into the dashboard so you can see it they can see it so all of a sudden you see trends in the scores change and then you can go into action in terms of trying to figure out what's causing that change is yes, that sir. is that accurate yes sir okay well, yes. just make yeah. sure and the action is- as daniel said it's google analytics for livestock rex keeps track of the health of the herd watches for trends and helps farmers and pharmaceutical companies know which drugs are working and which aren't all through the magic of data so I think I'm very dense, okay, on this. Is this to cr- is this to collect and create data sets to be able to inform higher production of protein um, sources, uh, animal protein sources? Yes, ma'am. So, you know, the our, our fundamental goal is really to take this data and develop all these analytics around it so you can you can enhance your yield, whether that's having better quality steak with marbling um, or having targeted dairy, like either high protein dairy for for kind of yogurt applications and cheese applications or high cream dairy for, um, you know, milk and, and ice cream. Um, but also combining that to also better manage disease in the herd, because when you look at uh animal health in general, we, the United States is one of the most advanced agricultural economies in the world. We still have at least one endemic or epidemic in, in the herd every year. And that grossly affects things to the GDP. If you look in 2015, there was a new emerging virus um, called PED, um, porcine epidemic diarrhea. Never been seen before. It wiped out piglets like that. And, and when you look at kind of how fast bird flu is mutating in all different regions, yes. and, and that's mad huge cow danger. disease. Yes, ma'am. Years ago. Yes, ma'am. Do you remember that? The mad I cow remember mad cow disease. Right? Amato is starting to speak the investor's language. He's saying livestock farms are businesses. And these health epidemics, mad cow disease or bird flu or whatever, they threaten these businesses. By gathering data on the health of these animals, Rex can reduce the risk of disease, improve the treatment of health problems, and ultimately deliver more of those animals from farm to table. 
I'll, I'll just give you a, a use case of sure. something that, yeah. that we did. Um, so there were chickens, right? And they had, there was a, a high incidence of really bad bacterial infection that they basically had to kill these, the, these chickens in Turkey. And they were looking at the different drugs. And unfortunately, a lot of these drugs weren't working because these were antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So we took a step back and looked at the data in total. We were like, wait a minute, this population is not really having that, these infections, but this population is. What else was was different? Um, then we kind of realized that the ones that did, the ones that got infection, got infection through basically a skin lesion. Um, long story short, we basically found out like it was a genetic effect. And the those chickens that had it, that had that deficiency were prone to this skin condition and that's what got infected. I wish we'd started with I wish we'd started yes. with the story. Yeah. I wish we'd started with this story. You're it's, sorry. <laughs> totally get it. I, now that's I it. feel like I totally get it. Whew. Don't ever underestimate the power of a story, even if the story has to do with bacterial infections and in chickens. So at last, the investors are all on the same page. They get Rex, why it exists, what it does, and now they're ready to do what they do best. Start poking holes in the business. So I'm I'm worried about the the data entry to tell you a piece because it's you're talking about farmers you're talking about you know country vets you're talking about that it, it seems very uh, I don't know uh, can you explain a little bit about that because I would think that that's something you're going to have to that's not part of their behavior. So with, with respect to the data entry, that is part of their behavior. Um, one of the things that a lot of these vertically integrated farms and, and even vets who go to small farms do is they'll literally hire DVM students, veterinary students, to turn those paper records and just do data entry. As, ah, as okay. So that's part and that that's a behavior that's always been Orient. there. Okay, what we're good. able to do is remove kind of that necessity to do kind of that data entry so that way all the students and even the veterinarians can just get to the analysis um more sophisticated than i thought yes yes ma'am we've been working on this for a a little bit so (laughs) yes it may surprise you to learn that the investors don't spend a lot of time on livestock farms but yeah these farms have sophisticated data gathering practices in place so amato isn't trying to change anyone's behavior he just figures if farms are already gathering data on their livestock wouldn't they want to learn more from that data? How much are you charging for the product? So our so when it comes to our business model, we we do two things, right? So we're a data company, right, that builds data products. So for a livestock producer that only wants to look at their data, they don't care about understanding anyone else's. We actually only charge them um, upfront costs on the server. Which is? With, in, it depends on how much data there is, right? Like, well, it, give me a sort it's, of a it's range. It's basically like $1,000 or, or less. Um, and that's a cost recovery. That's, that's not, there's no margin on that. There's no margin on that. The reason we do that, though, is because when we take in the raw data, our, our contract turns that raw data, any derivative product of that data is ours, and we can do whatever we want with it. Yeah. Now... All that data is really valuable to other verticals in the in the animal health industry, particularly biopharma. They need that data because they don't have it. And that's where we make a lot more of our money because they'll try to get it from the livestock producers. But even when they do get it, they can't make sense of it. And have you, are you working with those guys yes. today? Yes. We're, we're working with some very large pharmaceutical companies. Like for so. us, it was bang for our buck yeah. to go for the biggest players first. Yeah. 
and then kind of trickle down all, all the smaller ones because really data is our currency, right? Okay, and their access is different than the, the, the local farmer's access, right? So it's, they're getting data across the board. Because from, they're paying far more. I mean, right, that's of course. They They've got to be seven-figure deals. Yeah. That's great. This is like the wows you're hearing in the room is it dawning on investors that the two clients Amato is targeting with Rex are farmers and pharma, a.k.a. pharmaceutical companies known for their deep pockets. You don't think they those big companies have data scientists? On no. Board? That's that's how we got some of our first customers. I think that's the Literally. exit. How much revenue are you generating currently? Um, so in terms of revenue generated to date, um, about three million from when we started. Um, when for was this that? year, pardon, when when was from that? 2015, we've been mostly a bootstrapped company. Okay, so let's talk. You know, quarterly this year. So this year we. How do I put it this way? We, we've had some stumbles in 2017 and late 2016. So our, our average um, re- revenue um, per month is about 85K to 95K. What have the stumbles been? The stumbles were we had people not paying. <laughs> and, and that was kind of, we weren't aggressive enough in trying to make them pay. Um, we, we actually did some studies where they never paid us because we were like, well, you never told us to pay you. And it was like, I, I thought that was a given. So, well, um, so that brings up a point, you know, sort of, if you're, you're the scientist guy, who's who's running the business end of it? Who's right. in charge yes, of, yeah. you know, collections and doing the invoicing and, and, and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, so since since that stumble, we've actually hired um, a COO who's who's really the, the main business guy. What's his name? His name's Eric. Okay. So we, we, we did realize, like, hey, I know I'm a scientist. I know I'm more the technical guy, which is why we brought that in. Before, we were all over the place, and that's primarily because, um, you know, as, as a very technical scientific CEO, like, obviously, we were, we were very intrigued by the science, and we kind of got lost in the science. Now I have that person who, whenever one of us gets an idea, he'll usually be like, Amato, are we going to make money off this? Are we going to make money off of this? That is the question. The fact that Amato knew enough to know that he needed someone else to run the business side of things is a good sign. Investors like to hear someone is thinking about the dollars and cents behind the big idea. But Amato is the one here pitching. And so it's unclear what the biggest priority is, the science of Rex or the business of Rex. One of the things we've realized over the past two years is the United States is not a fertile market for agriculture tech. And that's primarily because the USDA gives so many subsidies that it's still cheaper for an, for a farmer to cull their animals because they're going to be insured. Yeah. Um, we're taking this raise to really focus on the APAC region, particularly uh, Australia, New Zealand, and China. Um, so the reason that is, is because one, China's with its growing population, they also have the growest, biggest growing demand for meat. Uh-huh. Australia's one of the leaders in beef, and the largest producer of dairy is, believe it or not, based in New Zealand. No way! Fonterra. They, they produce 35% of dairy in the world, and they sell it a lot to China. So a lot of this is to hire teams based there so that we can really take, um, we can take advantage of the opportunity we've been presented with. And just like that, Amato the scientist starts talking about international markets, the agricultural economies of New Zealand and China and Australia. Suddenly, the nerdy chemist who came in talking about genomes and white-tailed deer sounds like an entrepreneur. He's like, baby, I need that two million because we're going global. 
Is two million dollars enough? I mean, yeah. mar- I was just gonna say, <clears throat> country market entry strategies tend to tend to be notoriously expensive and slow because you've got to find the people, you've got to build the re- even if they have the relationships, you've got to get up to speed, and then you've got to have some results. And is is two million dollars enough to get you to results? We already have relationships with some okay. of these really big customers, mm-hmm. um, and they've already pretty much put in LOIs to say, hey. Okay. If you can do this, this is how much we'll pay mm-hmm. based on the LOIs that LOIs that we have mm-hmm. should take us to a, another level in terms of revenue, and then we can raise again in a Series A. That's why we've been. That's why it's at two million. Okay, well, I've digested a lot. Has everybody? Yes, yeah. I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot. It's decision time. First up, Phil. So, um, I like what you're doing. I think it's very interesting. Um, I don't have any background in this. And so this is challenging for me to sort of wrap my head around. I don't know the space. I don't know the competition. May may I say something? No. Okay. No, go ahead. All right. (laughs) So Phil? When it comes to investors, what we're looking for is not people who understand ag or are intimately familiar with that. Oh, we have perfect. We have we have ag families that are currently investors, and that's kind of how we've gotten a lot of our early traction. What we're looking for is people who know how to build an enterprise SaaS company, okay. because that's fundamentally but the, the what we are. The reason I was bringing that up was uh, not in terms of potential value add, but m- more in terms of sort of coming to my investment decision, right? It's more challenging for me than with some other companies because this is a space about which I'm unfamiliar. And for instance, I don't have a really good handle on the competition. I don't know, you know, I'm taking your word for it and, uh, and that's fine. And, um, but having said that, um, you know, I'm really intrigued by what I've heard and the progress that you've made. And uh, I'd like to invest uh, 250,000. Awesome. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, neither so, did I. I'm in. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think it has huge potential. Thank you. Right out of the gate, fills in for 250K. Anyone else care to join me? Here's Daniel. So, um, by the way, I, I think it's actually a great deal in terms of the two on eight. Yeah. Um, I think it's an awesome deal. Yeah. Uh, you, I think to get comfortable with this investment or for me to get comfortable with this investment, I've got to believe in the um, scientific innovation here, essentially. Mm-hmm. And i that's the bit that I just do, I would just need to educate myself on. So um, I'm a I'm a like neither yes or a no. I, I, I'd love to like uh, diligence this further. Of course. If if. If you're up for it. Oh, yeah. I mean... Um, I hate giving, uh, like, a crappy answer like that, but I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it really is predicated on the science, and I'm just not a scientist, right? That's and so true. if you're willing to let me flip a card and learn a little bit more about the science, I'll get there on a yes or no after that. Um, and so I'm a maybe. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, And I will say if, if we're a yes... Then I think we'll want to do. We'll want to own ten percent of the, the company. Okay. Um, or more. So Daniel's not ready to take a model's word for it on the science, and so he's a solid maybe. Julian. I, 
so confused. Um, I'm confusing myself because I keep going back and forth and back and forth. So I actually do know a little about genomics. I do very, very little, and and uh, and I put that into a thimble. But it's an area that I'm very, I'm fascinating with. And I also like the fact that you were like, you know what? I don't know the business side. Yeah. Money is going, is being left on the table. Yeah. I have to figure out what makes sense to, cr- I like the fact that you were developing and developing products that would make money. And there are a lot of scientists that are like, you know, forget that. You know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, and um, so I like the fact that you have that business sense, even if you don't have the business intelligence around it. But you did hire Eric to do that. Um I, I want to commit to this round, okay? Um, I'm going to say just of my personal money, all right? I'm going to commit 100000 So Jillian is throwing her hat into the ring as well with a $100,000 personal investment. That's three hundred and fifty k already. So what does Charles have to say? Uh, I have a really good feeling about you. I think you understand your customer and like their pain points. You know, our model at Precursor is really to bet on people first. And I just have a really good sense that you really understand what you're building and you really understand your customer's pain points. And that's rare to find. So I would like to invest um, a small amount in the company, which to me would be below $100,000. Fine. Um, I don't know exactly how much, but I would love the opportunity to get to know you better and understand the business better and see if I can be value add. Okay. Okay, I'll take your money. After racking up three yeses and one strong maybe, Amato looks pretty pleased. Okay, fantastic. Okay, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. After Amato walks out of the room, investors dig in to why this deal seemed like a no-brainer. You know, just, you know it's just just writing checks, Run just throwing checks in here. I have to say that if... I really um, liked him. Yeah. yeah. If what he is communicating is true, and great. I have no great. doubt that it is, then it's, it's huge. That's like insane. huge. And huge. by the way, it's a great deal I would, too. and that's another, as an investor, would be to talk to him about, about the exit of this, because I think that he is going to get to a point where people are going to want to buy this. And... But at a 10 post, like... Yeah. You, this, you could see a very oh, clear path to... Completely. But completely. But see, I'm okay with that. If he, gets, if he gets a 10x exit in 18 months, yeah. Yeah. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. That's a that's a take, hot... That's a sad I'll take that thing. all day. I could see, yeah. And I'll yes, tell you, I would I not have you. said yes if he hadn't hired Eric already. Yes, I agree because with you. Because you Me made too. that point, and I think it's very important. I mean, he acknowledges yeah. he's I a scientist, agree. right? He's not the guy to run the business. And when he said he was having problems, okay, he did something to rectify it. When we come back, I call up Amato and hear just how hard it can be to be a scientist in the world of business. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, 
and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Three months have passed since Amato wowed our investors with his pitch. The last we heard, he was beginning to meet with them, hoping to close those deals. So those meetings went really well. And the ironic thing is, in the end, I mean, Daniel Daniel just said, you know, I, I don't understand the market. And it made sense for me because it was like, hey, Comcast Ventures is mostly a consumer-focused fund. Um so I could I could understand that. What was surprising was just a few weeks ago, you know, near the start of the year, after as I was kind of working on closing things with Charles and Phil, I'm like, hey Jillian, you know, happy new year, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, are you still interested? And then literally I got an email that was like, Yeah, I just don't understand the pace. I'm gonna the space, I'm gonna pass. So that was a bit of a disappointment. Um uh, I see. So things were progressing with Phil and Charles. But Daniel passed, and then Jillian suddenly dropped out of the deal? Yeah. And I actually kind of went through a little existential, like, oh, my God, I suck as a CEO. I can't raise worth shit, right? Like, but sorry, yeah. I don't know if I could say that word. Um, <laughs> you totally can. You can, can bleep that out. But, um, but in the end, I, you know, I, I was still kind of going through this ennui, this malaise, as it were. Um, and one of my investors just randomly called yesterday Literally yesterday, he was like, hey, how you doing? And I was vulnerable with him. I was like, I feel incompetent. And he was like, look, like you guys are about to enter year four of being in existence. You haven't failed yet. Most companies fail by the time you're doing it. And he's like, he's like, you're, you've been continuing doing what you're doing, whether you get fundraised or not. Um, and he's like, you have of the, of the four from the pitch, he's like, you have two who are like working on closing with you. So tell me again why you feel like crap. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know why anymore now that you put it in, in in that regard. Um, and it, I just really had to shift my focus on like, look, you know, we, we, we actually have a business and we have revenue and we ship product and we're expanding to another country. So, we did all that whether we raised or not. So it's really not that bad anymore. Yeah. No, that's good. That's that's good to hear. Cause I think uh getting no's and uh running, you know, running into disappointment along the way is just like it's so much a part of a, a founder's journey at so many different stages. Even when like everything looks great, but behind the scenes, like everything's not great and like you have your ups and downs. So um but like, don't forget what what you're doing is really hard. 
I, I think my, my phone call with my investor really put it yesterday, put it best. He was like, look, Amato, there is a small universe of people who actually legitimately understand what you do and understand the true value of what you guys are doing. But, you know, people know there's going to be something here. I think as a scientist, I mean, they said it during on the pitch too. They're like, you have no idea how to pitch really <laughs> your business, but you know, the science. And so, um, maybe in a way that kind of builds trust and legitimacy because I'm not trying to fill people full of BS. Yeah. Right. It's just like, this is what we do. Uh, that's some pretty impressive self-awareness. Um, so, well, it's not like we didn't get anything, right? Like we're closing with Charles and Phil. Right. So and I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Two out of so, four so, still ain't bad. Yeah. So you're close. So what's the, like the status of the round? Like you were raising $2 million seed round. Like right now, how was that going? Um, Charles and Phil have been super helpful. Phil has been introducing us to other investors, like ag investors that he knows. And Charles has taken a look at my deck and, you know, we're about to sit together and be like, here's everything wrong with your deck and how you should frame it for investors. Because I, I knew that was my weakness, right? So I asked them, like, you guys are professionals. How do I make this more appealing? Yeah. Um, and so they're they're being really helpful on on that front. And so even there, like, the check isn't closed, but they're still introducing me to others. And they're like, hey, here's how, you know, better frame the story to so an investor can get it, which is really useful yeah. um, in in closing out the round. Like, we just have to find others to close it. And and Phil and Charles are, are doing what they can to help us finish the round. Got it. Okay, so it's, you have to have the full 2 million, all the parties arranged, right? And then everybody signs term sheets and sends the money, like... You don't want you don't want this coming yeah. in in tranches. Like you just want to like, this is the closing date. It's all happening here. Like you're kind of living, working up to that. Yeah. But I mean, this sounds like really good news, right? Like things are going well. Yeah. No. It's 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 actually it's it's fun. Like you know, being able to continue to do what we do, and. I'm Asian American, and it's one of those like I don't want to have disappointed Asian father, right? Um, but. You know, these these past couple years have been really humbling. And no matter what happens, we'll still be able to do it, right? Like, that's why yeah. that's why I started a company. It was not really to get fame or fortune. I was like, hey, this is an interesting problem. Um, I get to science the shit out of stuff and have fun doing it. So, <laughs> Did you say science the shit out of stuff? Oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of our motto in our lab is let's science the shit out of this. At the end of the day, it's all about the science for a motto. And maybe that explains why he doesn't quite sound like a guy who just landed thousands of dollars in investments. Because until he can figure out how to close every single investor, he'll keep tinkering with the formula. We have a question for you. This whole big data thing, it sounds like a pretty ambiguous concept. And it kind of came out of nowhere. Big data is this groundswell fueled by this ever-connected world that we now live in. But I'm curious, is this whole big data thing a fad? Or will it continue to be this ever-growing, silent juggernaut that's lurking behind everything we touch? Head on over to thepitch.show slash discuss. Tell me what you think.
Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Kareem Maddox, and Molly Donahue. We are edited by Devin Taylor. We're mixed by Enoch Kim, original music composed by The Muse Maker and Bobby Lord. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Lisa Muccio plans our recording events, and thanks to Samira Sohail for her reporting on this episode. Amato applied to be on our show. Interested founders can apply at thepitch.show slash apply. As a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. See you next week. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It's a very privileged position. Is it? Yes, it's the... It's the anchor of the whole show. It's great. No, it's not. Well, you go last then. I don't want to go last. <laughs> okay. I like going. I don't want to go. Last. I don't want to go first yeah. or second. I like going second to last. I don't give a rat's ass. Yeah, neither. <laughs> <do I. laughs>